Welcome back to the Secret of a Successful Life series podcast. The cold weather of winter stresses people in different ways. Sometimes people use the long hours being inside to develop projects or research for future plans. Sometimes people can become easily upset with others. In this episode titled, Since Hell is So Hot, Why Do So Many People Act Like the Devil When It's So Cold? We will notice how some of the characters will stumble in the way they treat others. Whenever something like that happens, the Lord helps us to get back up and go on for the better. You kids get bundled up and go outside for a while. I'm tired of your constant fighting. Surprised that their mama would make them go outside in the cold, Oscar and Mary silently obeyed their mother. When they were about to go out the door, Anna said, Bring in a bucket of coal and then bring in a fresh pail of water. When you get that done, go find your dad and see what he has for you to do. After a few minutes, David made his way to the house. Anna, it appears the youngsters have had too much free time on their hands. I think I can come up with a job that they can work on here in the house. This can help me get the seed corn ready for spring planting. After running off some of their energy, the two scrappers came back into the house. After taking their coats off, they both went up to Anna and apologized to her for how they'd acted earlier. Anna wondered if David had told them to do that. A few minutes later, David came to the house carrying a large metal basket with ears of corn in it. Okay, I need some help getting the seed corn ready for spring planting, and you two scrappers are going to work at it. This last fall, I set back some good ears of corn to use for this spring seed. Now, I have an important job that will affect everyone in our family. Daddy, how can we plant the corn when it's so cold and the fields are covered with snow? Mary, your question shows that you're thinking, and that's good. Let me explain. Before we can plant the corn this spring when it warms up, we need the seed corn to be the same size so that it will feed through the planter correctly. Now, both of you, look at what I'm going to show you. See how the kernels of corn are bigger at the top of this ear and smaller at the bottom? But in the middle section of the ear of corn, the kernels are the same size. Those middle kernels are the ones we want for the seed. They will feed through the planter and not plug up the planter. So what I want you to do is to shell the top portion of the ear into this bucket and also the bottom portion. Then on another day, we will shell the rest of those kernels and keep them for the seed corn. If we work about an hour a day, we'll have most of the corn ready by the time you go back to school. I want to have enough seed prepared in case we have to replant. If we have to work like that, I'll be glad to go back to school again. Why, Oscar Benson, I never thought I would hear you say that. Mama, 
I'm tired of this cold weather. It's so cold outside, it's not even fun to play out there. I know, Oscar, but it will warm up, and when it does, I hope we all can go down to the creek and ice skate again. Mrs. Benson, I don't know about your work getting done, but this cold spell will cause my seed corn to be ready with the good help we have here. I want to plant corn early this year, and we should be able to do that. Why don't you wait to the middle of May to plant like we always do? Anna, I just can't shake the feeling that we need to put a corn crop in extra early this year. I think the Lord has something important to do with that feeling. Well, you're a very good farmer. I'm sure you know what you're doing. Harry, have you talked to Mrs. Olson lately? Oh, uh, no, Clara, I haven't. That woman is a great lady, but she drains me every time I talk to her. She always has something to complain about. I've just been thinking about her a lot lately, Harry. Since we can't get the car out of the garage, maybe you could call her up on the phone. That way you're still making contact with her. This weather seems to bring out the worst in people. You're probably right, Clara. I will try to give her a call. Going to the phone, Harry proceeded to call Mrs. Olson. After saying hello and who he was, Harry patiently listened for 45 minutes of non-stop chatter from the lonely woman. The elderly lady went from one subject to another and back again. Realizing the dilemma Harry was in, Clara grabbed her coat and Skippy Dog and went outside. After a few minutes, she knocked loudly on the door, to which Harry forcefully interrupted Mrs. Olson and said, I'm so sorry, Mrs. Olson, but someone is at the door and it's very cold outside. I'll have to say goodbye now. Going to the door, Harry was surprised to see that Clara and Skippy Dog were waiting outside and wanting to come in. Why, Mrs. McIntosh, I didn't think you had that kind of mischievousness in you. Well, I saw you were not going to get away from Mrs. Olson, so I decided to help you out. Besides, you let her ramble for 45 minutes. That's more than most people ever listen to her. Kissing his wife as she came through the door, Harry said, This cold weather has everyone on edge. Mrs. Olson is just lonely. Yes, she's lonely, but she's her own worst enemy. Harry, she bores everyone to death. I think some of the church people think that that's why they have a preacher. That way, you got to go talk to her, and they don't have to. Sweetheart, we just have to love these people and try to help them the best way we can. I was reading in my hunting and trapping magazine that the beavers have to live under the ice most of the winter. When the spring comes along, the beavers will start eating all the bark off the nearest tree that they can cut down. Harry, why do those animals do that? My guess is they're so wound up after living under the ice all winter, they're a little cagey and nervous when they get away from the ice. Also, the females are close to having their young about that time. All right, Mr. Preacher. Are you saying that I've been hard to get along with because we're expecting a new baby? 
Now, sweetheart, would I ever say that? Clara, I wonder how long this cold spell will last. Harry, you deliberately changed the subject and you know it. We'll leave it at that. Our baby should arrive about late September. We need to think of some names for this child. I think a name from the people we dearly love and respect would be quite fitting. That's a great idea. Let's pray on this. After a long month, the cold spell finally came to an end. Many people were ready for the much warmer temperatures. Little did they know what kind of warmer temperatures they would receive in the coming months. Anna, it's late April, and I'm just going to do it. No one else plants corn this early, but I just cannot shake the feeling that I need to do that. Knowing her husband had thought and prayed about this matter for months, Anna did not discourage David's unusual desire. When David started to plant corn so early, he was a talk of the community and family. With their nephew Leo's help, they were able to get the crop in before the end of the month. Clara wrote David and, in a questioning way, wondered why he was putting the corn crop in while we could still have a killing freeze. Clara also announced that her and Harry were expecting another baby in September. This crop season would be very important for many farm families. Ora Lawrence, who lived two miles west of David and Anna, shared that he was putting his entire farm into corn. He had mortgaged the farm for $100 an acre. He just had to raise a good crop, or, well, he just had to raise a good crop this year. That was all there was to it. Ora shared with David how risky it was for him to plant corn so early. He shared that David could stand to lose everything by doing that. By the middle of May, David's corn crop was out of the ground and was looking very good. Then one night, the temperatures dropped below freezing and the young corn crop was destroyed. While other farmers had been planting their corn, the seed had not sprouted through the ground and would survive that cold spell. The next morning, the family was very quiet at the breakfast table. David didn't say much, but he wondered if he was really following God's leading by putting the crop in so early. He made preparations to replant. He would need the help of neighbors and friends to help plant since it was getting late in the season. It would be the end of May before David could get his crop replanted. This setback put David's crop about three weeks behind everyone else. Maybe David had made a mistake, but deep down he still felt he had followed God's leading. A few days later, David got the mail and noticed a letter addressed to him sent by Clara. Usually, her letters were very encouraging and appreciative. This letter was different. Clara started to become critical of David for losing a corn crop. She went on to say how her father, Oscar, would be very disappointed in David's actions but what was done was done. Hopefully, they could manage to raise something in 1936. Her words stung to the heart. David put the letter in his bib overalls pocket and later showed it to Anna. 
both were deeply hurt by Clara's unusually critical comments. Putting her arms around him, Anna said, David Benson, now you look at me. David, being taller than Anna, had to look down into her green eyes. Anna continued, You are a great man of God, a good husband and father. You are a good farmer. I know God led you to put that corn crop in early. God will make good things come from this. We will believe that. Now, Clara is the sweetest woman we know. For her to write a letter like this is totally out of character for her. Remember, honey, Clara is pregnant. Her emotions will go up and down at a time like this. You remember how I acted when I was expecting, don't you? So don't let this bother you. You're right, Mrs. Benson. I'm so glad you're my wife. Maybe this is the Lord's way of moving us elsewhere. We thought about buying a farm of our own. Maybe we should do that. David, we started married life better off than most people. We might be able to find a farm sometime. You know, the farm across the road is now owned by that insurance company that's been buying so many area farms when the farmers have gone broke. I've often thought that that would be a nice farmstead for us if the need came for us to move. Let's pray on this and see what happens. As the springtime turned into summer, the temperatures started to climb much higher than normal. Just as February had record lows, the summer of 1936 would set record highs. While David's corn crop was behind all the neighbor's corn, his corn looked very good. One day, while working with the neighbors in the hayfield, Leo McIntosh was stung by a bee. Ralph Hunt started to squeeze out the bee stinger when Frank Benson became extremely angry. Jumping off of the hay wagon, Frank raced over to Leo and Ralph while shouting, Don't squeeze that stinger out! Scrape it out! Frank pushed his way in front of Ralph and proceeded to scrape the bee stinger out of Leo's neck. By this time, Frank had everyone in the field's attention. He went on to explain, Back in 1898, when I was in the Army down in Cuba, my best friend got stung in the neck. I reached over and squeezed a stinger from him. All I did was force the poison into his system. He died that day. I killed my best friend. It bothered me so bad, I started to drink harder than I had ever drank. I didn't let up on the booze until the start of the last war. Dad? I never knew that story. I just remember how upset you would get whenever someone got stung by a bee. I can imagine how bad it bothers you. I still see the first German I killed in France. He was just a kid. Dad, things like that happen, and we have to give them over to the Lord. That day, the neighbors and young men in the area learned more about the Benson's war stories than they had ever heard. David sensed that the boys might think war was fun and went on to say, Going to war was one of the hardest things I ever did. I just hope none of you boys will have to go to war. From what I read in my missionary paper, 
Some think there'll be another world war in China. Oh, I pray to God they're wrong. The weeks of summer slowly went by when in August, Harry, Clara, and the children arrived for an extended visit. Unlike last Christmas, they stayed at Grandpa and Grandma Hunt's instead of David and Anna's home that Clara owned. The recent hot weather was damaging to the developing corn crops for most farmers. The corn silks were not able to collect the pollen from the tassels because of the recent hot winds. Most cornfields would not pollinate well, except for David Benson's corn that was about three weeks behind everyone else and had escaped the damaging hot winds. David just might raise a crop and a good one at that. One Sunday afternoon, while Claire and Harry were back, Walter McIntosh noticed that something had upset Claire toward David and Anna. So Walter spoke privately with Clara. Clara, it doesn't take a smart person to see you are avoiding David and Anna. What seems to be the problem here? Walter, what do you mean? Clara, I think you know exactly what I mean. Clara, what happened? Well, David was so headstrong about planting that corn so early this spring... I tried to caution him about that, but he went ahead and it froze. He had to replant, and that put us behind everyone else. I seriously doubt if we'll have a crop this year. Oh, Clara, you're worried about many things. I think you have it all wrong. It looks like David is about the only one in the area that will raise a crop this year. By being behind everyone else, his corn, your corn, has missed those terrible hot winds. While the neighbors are not going to raise much of a crop, your crops look very good. Have you been out to see them firsthand? I have, and they look wonderful. I think David did you a great service. Now, Clara, I'm going to say something else. I'm afraid you've treated David and Anna very badly over this. My guess is, and unless you make up, David and Anna will be moving away next spring. Maybe that's exactly what you want to happen, but David Benson is the best farmer I know. I think you better treat him right if you want to keep him as a farm renter. Breaking into tears, Clara said, Oh, Walter, what have I done? My emotions have been all over the board since this baby's been on the way. Poor Harry has to walk on eggshells around me. I'm so sorry. Clara, if I may say more. Go ahead. I'm not sure I want to hear it, but go ahead, Walter. Clara, you just left a tough church where you had a mean old woman that made things hard for you. You mean Dorothy Greenberg? Well... She did change her ways before she died. Yes, I recall that. But all she did to hurt you has built up for you. I think you're taking that out on David and don't even realize it. How do I know? Because I treated David the same way over in France when I was upset about something else. Now you and Harry are at a new church and you're concerned about many things. Sister... Relax. 
It doesn't have to be bad. I say these things because we all love you. At that, Clara hugged Walter and thanked him for speaking some sense into her mind. She said she had to go find David and visit. Later that day, Clara asked David to show her the corn crop. Getting into David's car, the two drove to the field so Clara could see firsthand how the crops were doing. She could see for herself that the corn was really doing well compared to all the neighbors who had good stocks, but no ears of corn setting on. David, I have a confession to make. I'm so sorry for treating you like I have. You were simply following God's leading to plant early. When you had to replant, that put our crops behind everyone else's. I feared we would have a crop failure. Now it looks like we are some of the very few that will actually raise a crop this year. David, with this baby on the way, my emotions have been going up and down so much. It took Walter to make me see that I was hurt by a mean woman in Ohio that finally changed before she died. David, I was becoming just like Dorothy Greenberg. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? And please always stay as our renter and farm manager. Clara, you mean the world to us. Yes, I forgive you. Now, I will say that Anna and I have been thinking about buying the farm across the road when it comes up for sale. If that happens, we could still farm here because it would be so close. David, that sounds like a good idea. You know, my papa would be so proud of you, and now that I see things better, I am too. I'm glad we had this talk. One more thing. Do you think Anna would mind if we came to stay at your house for the rest of our visit? We would be very glad to have you stay with us, little sister. Thank you, big brother. Coming home, the families were glad to see that David and Clara had resolved their differences. That evening, they sat outside David and Anna's house and listened to the radio tell about the Olympic Games that were going on in Berlin, Germany. The family laughed when they learned that at the Olympic Games, the Germans had set thousands of pigeons free all at once that flew around the stadium. At the same moment, the Germans started to fire the cannons, and the loud noise scared the pigeons so much that, well, there was a lot of unwanted stuff in the air that the pigeons left. They could only imagine how the people without hats had some upset feelings. Everyone was amazed that a black American named Jesse Owens was winning gold medal after gold medal. Also, there was concern that Mr. Hitler of Germany refused to shake hands with Mr. Owens. Walter said, Do you remember when we came home from the Great War that there were some black soldiers on the train? We noticed how some of the white people refused to even sit by them. Yes, that was wrong. The color of a man's skin does not make the man. Jesus died for all people, and I want to love everyone. Going back to that Hitler man, something tells me there's going to be some trouble with him. I hope you're wrong, David. 
but I'm afraid you're right, Walter said. On September 25th, Clara gave birth to a healthy baby boy that she and Harry named David Franklin McIntosh. They chose names of people they admired and appreciated. That fall, when most of the area farmers had very small corn crops to harvest, David Benson had a bumper crop. David took the chance to plant corn early and then had to replant when the corn froze. But David's replanted corn missed the hot winds that destroyed most farmers' corn crops that year. Obviously, God was leading David Benson in wonderful ways. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. The next episode is titled, Where He Leads, We Will Follow. We invite you to join us for this podcast.